Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Good morning, Eric. It is a good morning, even though last night was not a good night for Indiana men's basketball. Rough. But I'm washing that away until we talk about it with our guest, because now it's Turdue week. Coming with their their pigs and their pitchforks to Bloomington. I am reminded of the great line from Full Metal Jacket uh, in the training sequence, basic training. When I think about Zach Eady, I'll ask you, Ward, how tall is Zach Eady? Me love you long time. Nope, nope. That's not what I'm trying to get to. But that's from Full Metal Jacket. Yes, but that's not what I, that's not the run I'm trying to go on here. <laughs> we are we are not we are not connecting. Let's try it again. How tall is Zach Eady? I don't know, sir. Again, not helpful. Not I, helpful. I, I I don't have my Full Metal Jacket script out in front of me. I, I just don't... do me a favor and yeah. answer the question to the best of your knowledge. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, Ward, how tall is Zach Eady? Eight foot three. I was not aware they stack shit that high. <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. One take. One take. I'll, um, I'll definitely edit it so it comes off smooth. No, you won't. No, you Never. won't. Too much work. Um, yeah, man, it's a big week. It's a it's a big week, and we're, we're going to get to that. Uh, and I have a story about how I'm going to experience that game. But before we do, you know who hates Purdue as much as you and me? Yes, I do. I totally <laughs> spaced. <laughs> because we are powered by communitycars.com. Sponsor of the pod, Communitycars.com. Illusion Legends talk with Warren Eric. And fade out 
boy, boy, you would think we're, we'd get better over time. But nah. we are truly backsliding. <laughs> I, I just, you, you were giving me that look like I started to doubt myself. I'm like, oh, am I forgetting I should yeah. say something here? No, I passed out. I mean, that's the <laughs> truth. I just totally passed out. All right, man. Community Cars, communitycars.com. You know, we're getting into the spring soon here. Get out of these winter months. Get into the spring. Good time for a new car. Get and whether con- you want. Oh, I was going to say, get a convertible. Buy a convertible. I, they have them. You know who sure. has them? Communitycars.com. Of course they do. Yep. And they'll deliver it anywhere in the world. We're not sure internationally, but we're still. Hey, Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. yeah. Daryl, what's the word on international delivery from Community Cars? I'm still working on it. Daryl, it's been about a year now. Uh, what's the holdup? I'm just a man. You don't pay me enough. What do we pay you? Cheeseburgers. It's <laughs> terrible. Maybe, maybe a, the worst bit we've ever done. What a terrible bit. What I didn't even have a good voice for Daryl. Just an awful bit. Awful. <laughs> well, you don't pay us for the comedy, guys. Um, but look, community cars, I got my car through them. Several people who have listened to our podcast have gotten their cars through them. Uh, whether you want to go in and talk to somebody face-to-face, whether you want to do it on the phone, whether you want to do it online, never talk to anybody, never see anybody, just get some documents that show up to your house, sign where they put those cute little arrow stickers on where to sign. You love and, those. And the car shows up. I do love those. I do love the arrow <laughs> stickers. I'm a big fan of those. Uh, I've never applied one myself, but I oh. do enjoy when I get a document that that has them. Yeah, they um, they, they know we're simple people, just just point us exactly where we need to sign so you can have our money. Exactly. And look, I'll be honest. I love the name Community Cars because that is truthfully what Evan and his family are about. They're about the Bloomington community. They're about the community of Hoosiers. And that's who they serve is the community. And they serve them well and have. Be honest. You love it just as much because it's alliteration. It's true. Communitycars.com. Added, yeah. I mean, Triple. It's, Triple it's alliteration. Amazing. It's amazing. All right, man. Let's get to talking some IU athletics. Sure. Let's talk about one of the best teams in the country that plays in Bloomington. They are the best team that has ever been part of the IU women's program at Indiana. And that's, of course, the IU women's basketball team led by Terry Morin, who is now officially the all-time winningest coach in IU women's basketball history. Go. She is the GOAT. I mean, she is the GOAT of IU women's basketball. And she is making a case for being the GOAT of college basketball when it comes to the women's sport. Well, 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 I mean, the greatest of all time. I I don't think we're making that case yet. She's going to need to get a few national titles under her belt. But that's active, current coaching coach. Yes, you could definitely argue, you know, compared to the other programs that are on top, which that's exactly where IU is now. Um, she's second to none. She's second to none in the college game. It, it's true. And that game that they played against at the time, number two ranked Ohio State was so glorious for so many reasons. The crowd. Let's just talk about the crowd. Again, over 10,000. Over 10,000. 10, and, and I watched it on TV. Wish I could have been there. But it was it was what we are used to in watching a big game at Assembly Hall. It was loud. It was raucous. It was intense. It was totally intimidating to the other team. 
And when we went on this insane run that we went on, the place was bonkers. I mean, it was, we were hitting threes. We were stealing breakaway layups, unbelievable defense. It was unbelievable on, I believe, a 17-0 run that basically ended the game. Uh, it was remarkable. I would say the, the most electric assembly hall has ever been for, for a women's game, maybe outside the NIT championship. Yeah, I think, and maybe, I, I don't remember that one enough, but but maybe more, I don't know. It, it was so loud. It was, I mean, what Terry has done for this program, it's why I get carried away calling her the GOAT, because you and I were there when, and I'm I, look, I'm not proud to say this, but I didn't even know Indiana had a women's program when I was at Indiana. Like well, I was they, aware, but it wasn't it. I didn't it, know when they played. I no. had no, it was not in my knowledge. If they had a game, I had no, I couldn't name you one player from the time that we were at Indiana. Could you? No, I can't name you the coach who was coaching the team. There might've been more than one. I can't name you anything. And I'm not proud to say that. But it does speak to how far Terry has brought the program. And look, you and I were there, you know, 95 to, to, to 2000. Uh, it was pretty much like that up until, you know, 2008, nine. And, and Terry's predecessor had a little bit of success. And there were spots of success with Indiana, but nothing consistent. What Terry has done in the last decade for Indiana women's basketball is absolutely remarkable and would have been unthinkable many years ago what do you and i we talk about men or women's game it's all about the coach if you want to have a successful program in this day and age you can build it almost anywhere like i think coach morin could be at any one of a hundred colleges and have herself a top 10 program before it was all said and done. Now, I think you have some uh, inherent built-in desire to see great basketball in Bloomington. You might not have in other places, but when it comes to not only the X's and O's, but connecting with the players, getting them to, to buy in, identifying them. And, and, and I think nothing is more important to her and her program than work ethic, right? That we're just so lucky that Fred Glass identified that and brought her to town and was able to, to be like, please, please flourish here before you do it somewhere else, like heaven forbid, at your alma mater or, or any number of other already established programs that she has come here and now put us in the very upper tier of programs. Because this isn't like one good year. This has been stacking year after year getting better and better to the point where she has built the monster it just took down another final four contender and declared to the whole nation yeah it's like guys we're we're not going anywhere just expect to see us at the top of the big 10 and late in march early april as long as coach morin is sitting in that chair which brings me to she needs a nickname because look coach knight was the general right? Krzyzewski, Coach K. Like, the, the big ones, they tend to, Calipari is just Cal. Like, she needs a nickname. So I, I want to workshop this with you. Okay, all right. My, my, wheels are, my wheels are spinning. All right, well, and look, I'm not married to anything right now, but I think we need to start this for her and come up with a nickname. So, oh, by the way. Oh, he's reaching for something. This came in the mail. 
Yes, I, I was just gonna say the queen. Could call her the queen. Could call her the queen. I'm not against that, but I was trying to think of a couple things. You oh, said by, she's all wait, about. By the way, just for the the listeners, Co- uh, Eric just uh, picked up a T-shirt that oh, had yeah. Coach Morin's uh, face on it, and she was wearing a, a crown, a, a regal royal crown. She's also got a great big smile on her face, and she's wearing shades. So uh, all in all, a great T-shirt. Badass. So you brought up the women's program is built on one phrase, do the work. DTW. She's all about work ethic. So what if she's the foreman? The foreman. Now look, you I could like- call for woman, you know, but I don't know if that's what people do if it's a woman. Mm-hmm. But I go to to a wrestling reference here. There was a wrestler named Becky Lynch in WWE who became the biggest women's wrestler in the world, maybe ever. And she referred to herself as the man. She was the man. She had T-shirts, the man. And I loved it. And she would say, when the man comes to town, you know, when the man comes around. And I like that. So the foreman, I'm going to put up there. We don't have to decide this word. We can put it out to the world and sure. figure it out. Let but them weigh the in. Queen, the queen, okay. The foreman, uh, any, any others popping to your head? Her majesty. Just, just to play on that, you know. Her majesty, okay. You're really going with the royal. Well, uh, that that it was what popped into my head initially. Then you show me that T-shirt. I'm like, but um, uh, like Her Majesty, Coach Moore, uh, Scary Terry. No, (laughs) that's for opponents. That's for opponents. Yeah, yeah, it seems weird. Scary Terry. Jimmy Morin. Scary Terry would be her garbage pail kid. All right, so maybe we're taking suggestions from the audience. Please, we need a nickname. Yeah. She she deserves it. And then we'll decide collectively what the nickname will be. Let's get to the main attraction. Let's talk about Purdue Week. Turdue Week. What are you going to do? What are you going to be watching it live on Saturday? Uh what does this game mean to you? Let Okay, let me give you a little background. We've been on a a hell of a winning streak up to last night. My my son is pretty obsessed with stuffed animals at this point. And, sure. of course, from our trips back to Bloomington, I'm always bringing him back stuffed animals, sporting Indiana swag. He's got a sack monkey. He's got, like, a chipmunk. Um, and so – and he asked me, what's the stuffy of the night? You know, who's going to be the main stuffy in pole position that he's sleeping next to? So over the course of the winning streak, he had three of his IU stuffies. And I'm like, we got to keep their – Every night, it's got to be those three while we're rolling, and and then of course last night, I look. The only thing worse than IU losing is going to acting class while IU is losing and having to wait until eleven o'clock at night and not look at the two hundred and fifty nine texts you have to sit there by yourself with nobody to bitch and moan to and j- and you can't even be loud and scream because everybody else in the house is asleep and you just have to eat your rage with each passing play that that you know i mean look we all watched the game that was that was brutal that was brutal the cortisol levels were high i knew we had to get up early to do this pod and there would be no sleep so i am so happy it is a new day the sun is shining Hope and, comes in the morning. 
and what comes in the morning. So for me, um, I think we're going to have to reset the stuffies. We're going to have to mix it up a little bit, put a few new ones in, get some new mojo going. Also during the streak, every uh, game day, I would wake up and I would drink out of one of my IU glasses, my morning coffee, and and really got paranoid about making sure I was wearing some Indiana gear all day. Sure. So I need to kind of like reset that and come up with a new routine to start a a new streak. But I'm happy to report I will be watching it live in my living room, screaming my face off in the middle of the day on Saturday. And you, Eric, what will you be doing for the Purdue game? Well, let's 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 provide some context here. I don't miss an Indiana game. My whole world is really built around Indiana games. I'm going to say something here that I hope no one who is in my world of work that I do for a living listens to. They don't. But I arrange shoots so that I can see Indiana games. Hey, you're the boss. That's what you get to do. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't be doing that, but I do. If I can do it, I do it. I, I watch the games mostly outside while smoking cigars because it helps just calm me in some way, which I'm not calm. Everything is built around Indiana games. Holly knows it. My family knows it. Like everybody knows it. Like just, this is it. Like, I mean, people at work know it. I'll get texts and messages from people at work. Like, Hey, I know the game's on in 30 minutes. Just want to get to you before. Like they know everybody knows, but My ex-wife works at the synagogue that my kids all went to preschool at, that they do Hebrew school at, and all that. Several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, she told me that there is this retreat that hasn't happened for several years because of COVID Mm -hmm. that is happening again. It's happening this weekend. We have to go into the wilderness in Ojai, California, at a campsite where they don't allow you to have electronic devices. (laughs) So they are telling me that, and it's a synagogue thing. It's Shabbat on Saturday where you're definitely not supposed to be using electronic devices. You don't roll on Shabbat. Let me tell you something. I'm bringing my phone. I I will bring Kiefer Sutherland's 24 sat phone if I have to. I'm sneaking away. I don't care what ropes course we're doing. I don't care what kumbaya, icebreaker, study session, get to know you, tickle my elbow. I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know what. I'm I'm learning all things about the Judaic religion. (laughs) I am going to sneak off somewhere where no one can find me. I'll go to the top of the mountain in the middle of the woods, and I'm going to watch this game. I'm picturing you almost to the top of a very tall tree trying to get a signal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring a grappling hook and those shoes that like people that work on telephone poles wear that you can climb up the wood pole. (laughs) And I'm going to sneak off and watch this game. And I'm going to have to, it's going to drive me insane because what I know will happen is the reception will be terrible. So I am not excited about Saturday. I am, I am nervous. I need to watch the game live. I don't know what else to do. Have you thought about 
leaving the synagogue. <laughs> I have thought about converting. <laughs> I told Mandy that I my baptism is Friday morning. <laughs> And I just can't make it this weekend. Hey, I'll convert back on Sunday morning. Look, you don't you don't have to go that far. Just say, you know, look, I'm dabbling with being agnostic. I'm not really sure. I'm questioning this whole thing. But then, you know, come Saturday night even, you're you're back in. Back in. So that's what's happening for me Saturday. Look, it's a huge game. I hate them so much. I hate everything about them. And last year was the first time we finally broke through after however many games and years it had been. It seemed like it had been 20 years, but I think it was what they beat us like seven, eight, nine in a row. Something like that. It was eight or nine. Yeah. And so I just remember how glorious that was when Rob Finnessy hit that shot this year. I mean, we got to win this game, not just for beating Purdue, but we got to win this game. Six and five right now. We cannot fall back to 500 in this conference. We still have to go to Purdue. We still have to go to Michigan State. You know, we still have to go to Northwestern. We still have Rutgers who we struggle with coming to Bloomington. Like, we can't backslide here. We cannot backslide. Last year was a statement game. Coach Woody's here. We ain't going to take this no more. Take that. They're the number one team in the country. Yes, they get they got the guy like who everybody is like, oh, well, if Trace continues to be on this tear, maybe he can catch this guy for Big Ten player of the year for for first team All-America. It's so so there's there's so many stakes of like a season of expectations in which we had them. They did not. And the roles have been diametrically reversed since those preseason polls came out and uh, are we are are we who we thought we were and and i think over these last five games and look even last night as somebody said on our text thread you know we were due for one and maybe that's that's not the right mentality but after winning five in a row in the big 10 look there are not too many times, certainly in the last 20 years, we've won six in a row in the Big Ten, especially when that sixth game is on the road. But this is at home. This is at home against a Purdue team that, yes, they're number one in the country, but have their victories come against very good teams? No, I think I read they have one victory against the top 25 team. Maybe that's wrong and somebody will correct me. But it's not like this is, uh, you know, 92 UNLV. Okay, right, this, right. this is this is not a team we are incapable of beating, and and we have some advantages, especially when it's at Assembly Hall. So not only for the sake of our own pride, but for the sake of this season still turning out the way we all hoped when it started, it feels like this game is a huge turning point. I totally agree, and that's why we should get to breaking down last night's game and focusing more on Purdue Week with our guest. And this segment, what, how do we do this? <laughs> how do we do it? I don't know. I've I never, se- I've never seen that it. look in your eyes before. I don't know how to do it. What Am I the one who says brought to you by? I am, right? You are, yeah. And I don't know if it may be help if I, I set you up. Like yeah, you, set you should me up. set me up. And, and, you know, and for all those reasons, Right now, for all those reasons and more, is why this segment is brought to you by 
IU Ventures presents a segment without pretense. Who's your hoop live just for you? <laughs> okay, I think the key is that I have to go blah, 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 is. I'll give you an is with like an ellipse. I said it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, well, that's what I'm saying. We, we've been doing this for quite a few weeks now, and the good people at IU Ventures probably are are getting tired of this shtick. So I will go yada, yada, yada is brought to you by. Yeah. So that's all you have to do. All right. Let's just talk about IU Ventures. This is an unbelievable organization that is part of Indiana University. It's the only part of Indiana University that actually writes checks to entrepreneurs, to inventors that have either been IU faculty, staff, alumni, students. Like that's it. Right. Like current, they, current or former. Right. Exactly. So I think I said alumni. No, you, well, no, but you said that uh, that were student faculty. Oh, fair, fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. All right. So we've been focusing on the last few weeks on some companies that that they have written checks to and been doing amazing things in biomedicine and just really incredible things. And I want to take a moment to focus on Another part of what we've talked about that IU Ventures offers, which is a chance for people like us, anybody listening, to be an angel investor, that you can listen to the businesses that come through there and decide that you want to invest in them. And then you get a piece of the upside of a company. And the, and, way to, and the way to do this, just to get it up front too, go to iuventures.com, check it out, sign up for the email list. Then you'll get the updates. You'll be in the know of what's coming through, what you could potentially invest in. And, you know, and if you, if you're on the other side of it and you have something great to offer the, the folks involved with IU Ventures, you could be on the receiving end and really get that boost you need to get up and going with whatever your IU Venture is. So here's an example of an angel invested company, uh, a company where that, that went on IU Ventures, was presented to the angel network, and people like us gave money to support this company. This company is called Sacred Serve. It is founded by IU alumnus Kaylee Donawald. It's a plant-based gelato company. So I know you love ice cream. Bring it. I know bring it. it. I love ice cream. But you know what doesn't love ice cream? My stomach. You and me both, buddy. Hello. The whole <laughs> world doesn't love what happens to what when I eat ice cream. My family doesn't. And the truth is, for many people, like we make light of it, but eating dairy and eating ice cream and custard and regular gelato has other major problems. Kaylee, the, the creator and, and owner of this company, she's had severe asthma and allergies throughout her life. And because of that, it led her to embark on a two-week raw food cleanse in Bali, Indonesia, that allowed her to heal completely. And that like really made her focus on what is nutrition? How does it affect our bodies? Why was I so sick? What is it about the food that we eat that makes so many of us so sick? And because of that, she came out with this thing. She loved ice cream and she loved gelato. And she came out with a company and after tons of research to create this plant-based gelato company. And the funding from the IU Angel Network will allow her to scale up manufacturing, expand into new regions, hire additional staff, take action on new initiatives in, in her pipeline. The goal for her is to be nationwide by next year. Uh, and this investment that's happened with the Angel Network is going to get her to that goal. So this is an amazing 
amazing company. Again, she's an IU alumnus. She had this personal thing that made her go back and study it and, and figure out a way to create a tasty treat that everybody can like without making people sick. And we as angel now, angel investors in IU Ventures can be part of it. I love it. I think it's an amazing thing. Sacred Serve is the name of the company. I think there's a through line here. I think it is passion. You're finding people who are passionate about honestly improving other people's lives. That's what a lot of we've what we've been highlighting here. IU fans, we're passionate people. IU just we we wear it on our sleeve. And I think whether you're rooting for the team or you're rooting for somebody to not only fulfill their dream, but also to to create a company and a career for themselves, like that is that is the initial fuel, right? That's what gets somebody like her and her company off the ground. But then when that can meet like real investment that can really take it from, hey, this is something I'm peddling to a couple of shops in my hometown to like, hey, you can get it in your neighborhood Kroger or Ralph's. Um, it's, it's, it's passion that gets it started. But then if, if we, IU folk can come in and have her back and other people's back, not only can it, it expand that on a national who knows global level, but it can also help your portfolio too. It can help you make them dollars, dollar, dollar bills, y'all Skrilla scratch shekels dough. Yep. Let's end there. Let's end there. All right. So let's get to our Hoosier hoopla segment, which is basically the rest of the podcast with a very special returning guest. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know, today's guest is special because as we were just joking about his alarms going off and it's time <laughs> for him to wake up. I woke up extra early excited i sprang out of bed knowing that this gentleman was our guest this morning eric who do we have this is a return engagement we spoke to this gentleman uh, a few years ago and we are so happy that he is back i'll do an abbreviated although it's tough to do an abbreviated list of his accomplishments seriously hailing from indianapolis indiana by way of ben davis high school i'm just going to hit some highlights here of his iu career played 40 minutes 45 times at Indiana. I mean, just that in and of itself is enough for me. He is 15th all-time in scoring, 7th all-time in assists, has the best season in the Big Ten for steals, number one all-time. And I should uh, remind everyone that was in a shorter Big Ten season. They weren't playing 20 Big Ten games back then. He's number one all-time. He is a two-time academic All-American. He's a three-time academic All-Big Ten. He was a consensus second-team All-American. He made the IU Hall of Fame in 1995. He was Big Ten Player of the Year. He has three Big Ten titles. He has an NIT title. And of course, in 1981, a national title. He then went on to be drafted in the first round by the Washington Bullets, who traded him to the Hawks, nine years as a player in the NBA for the Hawks, Kings, and Pacers. He was a coach in the NBA for 25-plus years. He was a head coach for the Cavs, the T-Wolves, and Wizards for a 10-year tenure as head coach. He is simply an IU legend. He is part of the IU basketball staff currently in a role that we will dig into and figure all that out because I don't think any of us know what it is. Please welcome the legend, Randy Whitman. <laughs> wow. I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> all right. So 
we don't have tons of time with you, and we got to cover. We covered your IU history on your last podcast. So anybody who has not heard that, please go back, search for Randy on our podcast, and you'll hear about his whole IU career. But let's jump to the present, because last night, obviously, <laughs> tough game for Indiana. Randy, just give us before we kind of get into your role. Um, what what did you see last night, and what do you see? right now on this team that maybe us fans are not seeing? Well, I mean, last night, I think it just boiled down to our perimeter, our perimeter players had, had to struggle. Um, You know, I I don't think we can ask uh, uh, Trace to be doing any more than he's doing. I mean, he's playing at an elite level right now. And even last night with the double and triple teams, um, the numbers that he put up um, should be good enough for us. And we just, he just didn't get enough help uh, out on the perimeter. I mean, our, our young rookie, Jalen, went one for 14, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and, and the one basket he did score was at the end um, when the game was basically over. So when, when you have your, uh, you know, this kid's been phenomenal uh, for a rookie to step in. Uh, being the starting lineup from day one and to be your point guard, um, he's done a heck of a job. But, you know, that that was tough to overcome uh, last night. And uh, when when teams are doubling trace like it is, we've got to be able to get more production from our perimeters. And it's just not on Jalen. I mean, it, it falls on, on, on all of them. I think we made three three-pointers. Yeah. Uh, game and it's still it's still a game uh you look at the stats um and really the difference was the free throw line um and that was another problem that we had of putting them on the free throw line so much and we've got to continue to do a better job of that our young rookie malik who's going to be a heck of a player um he's having a hard time staying on the floor um um, you know, as we talk to him and the coaches talk to him daily, um, he's got to stay away from early in games where he tries to go over a back for an offensive rebound or the guy gets the rebound. He tries to grab it from him or steal it from him and gets two petty fouls. And all of a sudden you're two fouls. You're out of the game. You get your third early. Um, you're in and out of the game. You, you don't get into a rhythm. And he's been playing good for us. Um and so not having him in the game last night because, you know, race isn't back to who he is yet. Um, he's, he's fighting, I think, uh, getting his rhythm back, missing the four or five games that he missed with his injury. And, and you could tell last night, I got a little worried a couple of times. I thought uh, he might have re-injured himself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we need Malik to be able to go in there with Geronimo out. Uh, with his injury now, we're a little thin up front. But again, I thought last night boiled down to our perimeter players. Let's flip it around just for a, a positive take on the the prior five games. I mean, that was that was a a good time there for five games. What did you see in the team, you know, compared to earlier in the season that you thought really was the key to finding their stride and, yeah. and maybe how we get back to that? The thing that they finally did, uh, to be honest with you, I was in town. Uh, at the tail end of the losing streak and the start of the winning streak, um, you know, that's when, you know, we lo- you lost X, you lost race, 
and our guys started feeling sorry for themselves a little bit. And it was like, woe is me. We got two starters out. How are we going to win? Um, and it, it, it fluctuated there for a while where we, you know, you got down, you, you basically didn't think you had a chance to win. And um, Woody did a heck of a job of bringing them back in terms of their belief. Hey, we've got guys in here that's got to step up. Guys that maybe not have played very much yet that's going to have to play. We can't feel sorry for ourselves. The, the, the other Big Ten teams aren't going to feel sorry for us. Actually, they're pretty happy that this is going on. <laughs> and, um, you know, he did a great job of saying, hey, we either buck up right, and play or you're going to write the season off. And, uh, you know, I think it started with uh, the Wisconsin game at home where it was a complete domination by our guys coming out. It was an ugly first half. It was 21-20. We couldn't, we couldn't score, but our defense was phenomenal. And we got back to that. You know, we've gotten back to playing uh, Indiana defense that the way Woody has done since he's gotten here, um, that's been a key f- you know, for us to win is our, our defense. And, and last night, I thought our defense was pretty good other than putting them on the free throw line. So um, right. they, you know, they, they said, hey, it's either make or break. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's make something of this. And they went on a five game winning streak and, you know, we had a little bump in the road and we got, we got a tough week coming up, you know, with Purdue, uh, on Saturday and then Rutgers on, on Wednesday, I believe it is, but they're both home games. And it's one of those things, you know, we got to write this, uh, loss off, uh, that we had last night, not let it linger and, and get back, uh, winning. Now I'm just doing the math in my head. You said you were in Indiana for the beginning of the win streak. And then I assume you were not at the game last night. No. Randy, just doing the math, you have to be <laughs> at every game. Let's go, What's buddy. going on here? Well, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. Okay, so good. good. I'm, leaving, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'll be up there uh, tomorrow and be at the practice Thursday and Friday and be at the game Saturday and be at the Rutgers game. So I, I have two questions about the current team. One is about fans and the other is about the team. So, you know, we're insane and we always want to blame something. Typically, we want to blame somebody else. And one of the big themes now that I see from fans is blaming the refs. It's the refs fault, the free throw discrepancy last night. Now, I look at the games and I do see a lot of what you just talked about. Malik making kind of freshman mistake fouls. Trey Galloway fouling guys 25 feet from the basket with hands on him coming off of pick and rolls. It does seem like that is something that we are just not good at. We, we seem undisciplined when it comes to fouling. Look, you're not a coach, so you don't have to worry about getting fined by talking about the refs. <laughs> so if it's the refs, go ahead and blame them. But I do see with my untrained eye, we just seem not good at that part of the game. What well, is here's the thing that you have to realize, and our guys are trying to realize, and Malik being one of them, and, you know, Trey, who's been around, Galloway, you know, is, should know, you know, cops should know, um, you know, race and Trey should know. Um, when you start getting into bonus territory, um, the sixth foul. Once you get to that sixth team foul, you've got to know we have team sixteen fouls, right. and so that takes away your yeah. aggression. See, the the good thing about Galloway is that's his staple, his aggression, mm-hmm. and you don't want to take that away from him. But you, he's got to understand. All right, 
next foul, they're shooting free throws. So I'm not going to try to bust over top of a screen at half court and bump a guy incidental, which is going to get them to the free throw line. I've got to know that. If you only have one or two fouls, you can do that. You know, and we we don't do a good enough job yet as players to recognize. And what you know the coaches are trying to do is you've got to know time score and what's going on. And you got to know, are we in the penalty? If we're in the penalty, let's us be aggressive. Let us put our head down and go to the to the basket, get a cheap foul and get two free throws. And it, it flips over to the defensive side where I think we do we got to get better at we're in the bonus and we do bonehead fouls where you can do that with one or two team fouls. You can't do it when your, your, your opponent is in the bonus. So it's a work in progress. Uh, one that we got to get better now. I mean, were the refs a little bit, you know, I, I thought we got some touch fouls that they didn't get. I thought Woody did a great job. I think going off the floor last night, getting in the referee's ear we come out to start the second half and i think we go on a 5-0 run they get three quick fouls on them yes. so i mean it's it's a situation situation where i mean i get where fans you know it's it's the referees but some of it's on us there, there, there's no question about that and um you know we've just got to continue to work to, to understand where we are in the game and where you can be aggressive and where you can well one one thing to my even more untrained eye than Eric. I mean, at least he played in high school. That's hard. That's hard. Um, <laughs> less untrained. And so, so this could be completely off. And I don't know if maybe it was the road environment, but it seems like there was like a split second hesitation on the offensive end last night where the nope. guys just aren't quite decisive when they make that pass or if they're going to take that shot. Do you see that? And if so, that, yeah. That was fun. That was right on. I thought we were a step behind everything last night. And that's, you, you got to give a credit to Maryland. All right. Maryland's playing good. Um, I think they're the Especially only Especially at home. Yeah. They're the, they're the only team in the big 10 that has not lost at home in right. a big 10 game. And so um, they're playing at their highest level right now. I thought they were just a step ahead of us all night last night. And I think that led to some fouling and stuff too. And so, um, that had been us. You know, you go through our five-game win streak, and we had dictated a yes. style of play and, and the aggression of play. And I thought Maryland did that uh, last night, and they were the more aggressive team. Um, you know, like I said, now we've got to realize that, and we're going to – you know, we got two days, three days here to get ready. Um, to show these guys, guys, and get that right back up. We've got to get our aggression back up because, uh, I mean, obviously, um, you know, Purdue's going to be they're, – they're, I, I said this, and, and, and I hate to say it, um, and I've got a lot of Purdue people that are I'm friends with um, that played for Purdue – um, I said two months ago, I thought they were the best team in the country. And um, I, I think they are. I mean, uh, the best thing that happened to Purdue was uh, the other big kid, Williams, left. And it, 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 the painter started playing Edie 35 minutes a game. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best and, thing that and it seems like the best thing that happened was they lost uh, Jaden Ivey, who yeah. – was a singular talent, but maybe not fitting in with what Painter wants to do as a whole system. 
no question. So, uh, so it's going to be a task ahead. We, if we don't come out and be the most aggressive team on Saturday, it's going to be tough. Tough. It's going to be a tough thing. We're going to have to play well. Our perimeters are going to have to play well. Trace has got to stay at the, the level he is, I, which I think he will. He loves this uh, thing. You know, everybody's putting it up with the two two guys that are up for the Wooden Award awards at, at the end of the season. Edie probably being the favorite right now with with the season he's having. So it's a challenge for us, but one that we got to be you know pretty excited about, especially being at home. So here's my question about the team as a whole. I'm going to focus on offense and. I'm going to blame you specifically for a lot of this and Woody as players because you spoiled us. Mm. You spoiled us for 30 years with teams (laughs) like the ones you played on where we watched a free flowing, constantly moving motion offense that clearly coach Knight devised and tweaked and then perfected in some ways. And you guys just played it beautifully i mean he was the conductor and you guys were symphony players that motion offense has spoiled us as fans and now we look at an offense that again our untrained eyes it doesn't seem like we're running anything close to a real motion offense and i guess my question to you is without giving us the specifics i'm not trying to get into the weeds here but what what does this offense look like when it's working in the best possible way and why don't we run a motion offense anymore? All right. Well, I mean, that, that's a question you need to ask coach. (laughs) No, I'm scared to, I'm scared to. (laughs) I'll get him on here and ask you that. But it it is, you know, times have changed. Um, Basketball game has changed, whether it's high school, college or pros. Um, it's become a more perimeter game, a more shooting threes. But we, we have a luxury of having a guy that you can put the ball in his hands on the block and play off of. And you think back to, to all our teams with, with Coach Knight, we didn't really have, you know, with the Ray Tolberts and Landon Turners and Uwe Blob, you go down the line, um, a guy that was a, a, a dominant back to the basket player um, that you could throw the ball to. So you wanted to open up the floor. Your your strength of our teams were our perimeters. Um, and so you didn't want to have a guy sitting on the box. So you wanted to open the floor up for driving uh, and driving kick situations. And, you know, Woody does do that when, when, when we get, you know, when, when Trace goes out of the game, the thing with, even where we get in trouble, I think sometimes um, when we just get too locked in um, of, of, of just coming down and throwing him the ball. Now, there's times to do that when he's dominating like he did, you know, the Ohio State, the Illinois, um, where they couldn't stop him or they weren't going to double him, which, again, was crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you need to talk to some of those coaches. Uh, <laughs> but. Then you you know it's pretty obvious, but you know when a when a team is going to try to take him away, you got to get the ball movement from side to side uh, with with ball movement and player movement before throwing it in uh, and trying to get 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 the ball inside that way. We had we I thought last night we came down one side of the floor and threw it in a lot, which uh, you know they were ready for, and they 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 did a good job of doubling, and so. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see what Purdue does with the big guy, um, uh, if, if they'll play him straight up or not. But it, it, it's still the game that we got to play is still ball movement. We got to get Safino moving off the ball, coming back to the ball rather than dominating the ball. I think he dominated it last night uh, too much and got into bad situation. I thought probably of his 14 shots, I mean, half of them were pretty tough shots. Um, yeah, he got totally. a couple of them blocked. Um, and so that uh, is a situation where I'm sure, you know, we're, they're, they're talking about that this morning and, and, and moving forward there. Well, rest easy, Hoosier Nation. The cavalry is on the way. <laughs> Randy is coming up. He's going to get this team whipped into shape. What, what it you could tell us sort of broadly speaking, your responsibilities, what coach Woodson has asked you to do. And, and maybe you could even give us like a day in the life of Randy helping out the IU program to give us a glimpse behind the curtain as to, to the brain trust there uh, coach Woodson has put around him. Yeah. I mean, when Woody got the job, you know, he, he called me, you know, obviously immediately and, and, uh, you know, wanted me to come down and, and be a part of it. And at this stage of my life, um, my wife would have probably killed me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Happy wife, happy life. There you go. Um, but then, you know, he said, well, I want you to, I want you to, to help me, uh, be a, be a part of this. And, and so, um, you know, I mean, it's a consulting situation that I, that I'm in and it's, you know, I wish when I was coaching that I did it. And, and, and here's, here's, here's the reasoning behind that. Um, as coaches, uh, when you're in it 24, seven, seven days a week, you're locked in the room with the coaches every day. You're locked in the locker room with the players every day. Um, you sometimes get blinders put on. And as an outsider, like I try to spend 10 days a month with the team, uh, whether it's on the, they're on a road trip or whether it's home, I try to do that 10 days out of the month. And what I'm doing, I'm just eyes and ears from afar. And what, what do I see? Like, you know, I watch obviously every game, I break down every game. I, 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 I give Woody my ideas of what I saw, even before I listened to what he you know, has to say about, about the game. And then we, you know, we talk about it. And so sometimes as coaches, you know, you might not play a certain player and I'm sitting from afar because I haven't been there for maybe three weeks. And I'm like, what, what, what happened to Ward? Why, why aren't we playing him? Anymore. Well, there's a good reason why you're not playing Ward. <laughs> Many <Randy>. good reasons. <laughs> and because sometimes you get down on a player or without even, you know, subconsciously. And, and so it's, it's a situation. I wish I, I had a consultant uh, that I would have used um, to listen to from afar. Uh, and, and then I, when I come into town, um, you know, I sit in with the coaches and give them my thoughts. Um, and they, they ask questions. I, 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 I only answer questions. You know, I'm not there, um, you know, to, to do anything more than what, you know, if they want to ask me a question of what I think, then I, I, I honestly tell them. And uh, I, I think it's been a healthy uh, situation, one that keeps me around the game. So it's, it, it, gets, it gets me still enough of a, 
to my my I can scratch my itch still of, of basketball, but um, you know that's primarily what I do. I can't do any coaching. I can't on the floor. I can't do any recruiting. I can't do any of that. NCAA rules are still out of this world. So um, stupid. Uh, yeah, but uh, I can I can sit in at practice on the sideline and then obviously in meetings and stuff. So Randy, and and maybe this was conjecture and and fan fiction, if you will. But there was a lot made at the end of last year. You know, the team was scuffling pretty hard for for some of last year, and then found something near the end of the year. The offense started clicking more. It seemed like we were doing more high pick and rolls. It seemed like Miller Cop was starting to get more open in the flow of the offense. And a lot was made that you had a hand in that, that um, that you helped in that regard. Is that you? you no, no, I, I mean, no, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, again, just thoughts, my thoughts and stuff. I think last year, you know, X finally got comfortable. I thought X early in the year, um, felt he had to do too much or tried to do too much, which, which put him in a, in a bad situation. And then, you know, he figured it out, you know, being the first year with coach, it's, it's a tough transition uh, when a new coach comes in and you try to figure out what, what he wants, what he likes, what he dislikes. Um, These players have a great understanding of that now, but um, again, you know, it's just, you know, I have my thoughts and I, I give Woody my thoughts and he's the coach. Uh, you know, I'm O and O and I don't, <laughs> I, I don't uh, have any anxiety uh, going to bed at night <laughs> anymore, oh. but, but I'm here for, for Woody. Um, I mean, we've been together for a long, long time and anything I can do to help him and our program. I mean, I mean, I love Indiana. And this gives me an opportunity to be back on campus uh, and be a part of, of Indiana basketball again. And, and I hadn't done that for, for a long time. One, one quick follow-up, because I know how close you and Woody are personally. Um, and you've been friends for forever, right? You've been friends for over 40 years now. Right. Um, was there any trepidation on your part to enter into this kind of relationship with Woody? Because you, you know, you, you were both in the NBA for a long time, but I don't believe your paths crossed in the NBA working for the same team. You were a head coach. He was a head coach. You didn't, you weren't an assistant together. Were you at all worried about how this professional relationship might impact your personal relationship? No, because we were together. When I oh, became, when I, my first head coaching job was in Cleveland and oh, Woody was, first hire so uh, we worked together in Cleveland he was my assistant he just getting started um and, you know he decided he wanted to get into coaching after he retired from playing so I hired Woody uh in Cleveland so we had a working relationship and it was one that I mean we were always number one upfront and honest with each other I mean he didn't blow smoke up my rear end um <laughs> And, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to do now on, on, on the other side, you know, when, when I'm just telling, you know, I give him my opinions and we're honest with each other. That's why our friendship has been what it's been. You know, we've been hard on each other at times that there's been a lot of phone calls sometimes, not in this 
and not in this uh, consulting situation, but there's been phone calls where we've hung up on each other, where there's been, <laughs> there's been things where we don't, you know, none of us like to hear things that people are trying to tell you that, that aren't, you know, very, you know, makes you feel good. And right. so sure. um, tough love. That, that's why I think we can, this is going to work and that it has worked um, because Woody knows I love him and that I have his back, number one, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give him my thoughts. I told him that when I, when I, when he asked me to come help, I said, well, I'm only going to help. Right. It, you know, I'm not going to be a yes, man. I'm not going to be, you know, what you want. I, I'm I, I want to give you my thoughts. And uh, he said, well, that's what I want. And so it's, it's been great. That's great. It's a big week. Number yeah. one, Purdue is coming to town. Uh, you you were six and three in your career against Purdue. God, uh, you had to add up. We had we lost three times. Yeah. <laughs> I think one Love of that. them I didn't play. I was hurt. Well, I'm not. We're not counting the 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 year that you were hurt. We're not counting. Okay, right? that so been four. Um, uh, but so what? you also never lost at home. Yeah. Well, that's. That's the biggest thing because I mean, Purdue's hard to play at. I mean, even 40 years ago when, when we played, I mean, it was, it, it's a tough place. So, and that's the number one thing. And Hey, you try to get these kids to understand if you win at home in the big 10, you're going to be, per, if you win all your home games, you're going to be pretty good. You're going to be pretty good. Now we've only had what, lost one Northwestern is our only big 10 loss at home thus far. But if you take, that's what Maryland's doing. Maryland's taking care of home. They, I think they're one and six on the road. Right. Um, but they're, that's why they're in the thick of the race because they've won their home games and Woody's done it from day one. He's always mentioned that this is assembly hall. All right. This is the Mecca of basketball. And you hear a lot of the announcers. I mean, what, you know, I watch every game now and they talk about the place and the electricity and it's one of the greatest places to come play it. You're right. And what you got to try to get your players and they're so young because, you know, we haven't won a national championship since 87. None of these guys were born yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so you try to get them to understand people come into Assembly Hall and they're in awe of the place. And if they can get a, those Northwestern players, that's going to be the biggest game they've ever had in their career when they leave Northwestern was coming into Bloomington and winning. And that's what – our players got to understand people that step into that place and look at it. And then when it's full, it's like, man, if we can win here, this will be the greatest thing ever. So you're going to get the best shot. And that's why you've got to play at such a high level at home. And we've done a pretty good job of that. Let's hope uh, these next two that we got with, with Purdue and Rutgers, we can do that. Is, is okay. How about this? Because we know uh, coach Knight, he really didn't like Kentucky either. So, of course, <laughs> none of us do. If if you could only beat one team, would it be Purdue or Kentucky? You got to take Ooh, the, the Big wow. Ten uh, ramifications out of it. Oh, um, for me, it was Purdue um, because it's an in-state rival. Uh, you know, you're either going – if you're a player, you're either going to Purdue or Indiana. All right. Mm -hmm. you, you're not going to Indiana State. You're not going to Ball State. Um, you're not going to Notre Dame. Uh, you're going to one of those two schools if, if you can play. And so 
Um, I grew up in, in Indianapolis. You know, I'm halfway between West Lafayette and Bloomington. And so I, I you know, this was always a, the biggest rivalry for me. Um, and you, you played them twice. And so that's, that was, I think, what kicks it. Kentucky, you know, hate them, still hate them. Um, <laughs> you know, that's why Cal, I mean, Cal's, you know, I hope Cal listens to this podcast because he's a scaredy cat for uh, playing us again. I just don't get it. You know, you, he loses in our place and then they storm the, the court and he gets all upset. So yeah. um, I, I'm still not a big Kentucky fan. Love it when they still lose. Um, but yes. I had to, I, if I had to pick one, it's gotta be Purdue. So you say you, you only, you play them twice. Well, in your career, there were a couple seasons where we played them three times. Yeah. You're including right. your first year where you played them in the NIT championship game. You split one and one home and away uh, during the season. And then you play them in the NIT championship game, which it's hard to explain, especially to young people, what the oh. NIT meant in 1978, 79. But it was a huge deal and especially huge for Coach Knight. Knight, he loved the NIT, right? His time at West Point, he yeah. had great respect. In some ways, the NIT was the East Coast's championship and the NCAA was the rest of the country's. Yeah. Can, what do you remember from that championship game that came down to the wire? What do you remember about that game and what it felt like to come out victorious? Well, the, the thing, you make a great, Eric, you make a great point. The NIT, think back years before, that was the NCAA tournament. The NIT was a much more prestigious uh, tournament than the NCAA. And then obviously it changed, but even back in, uh, 79, when we won it, um, I think, you know, I know in 81, when we won the national championship, there was only 48 teams in the, uh, NCAA tournament. It hadn't been moved up to 64 right. yet. Um, and so in 79, it was either still 48. Um, basically, you know, you had the creme of the creme of, of, of teams that didn't make the, the, the NCAA tournament. I mean, if that was still the case today, NIT would still be a heck of a heck of a tournament. And so, I mean, you basically had to win your conference to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, there right. was no at large bids, hardly um, you, you, you know, you had to take care of business um, to, to get in there. And then, so you had all these great teams uh, that, that played in the NIT and, um, you know, I, I mean, I just remember it was a it was a dogfight uh, in Madison Square Garden the, the the whole game, and you know it came down you know the, to the last uh, last play, Butch Carter, uh, you know, hitting the jump shot, and then Purdue having the ball at the end, and, and you know people that remember Jerry Seastein, uh, who went to Martinsville High School, wanted to come to Indiana, and, and Coach. Uh, even admits to today that uh, that was probably one of his mistakes of, of not recruiting uh, uh, Jerry to, to come play at Indiana. But uh, and Jerry and I are neighbors here now down in Naples and we play <laughs> golf every day. So I still always uh, have that one up. I and mean, he missed the last second shot of the game to to uh, win the game. Uh, but it was it was unbelievable. I and mean, we had a parade back in Bloomington, mm. um, you know, when we got back, it was it was as big or you know not quite as big as in two years later when we won the NCAA tournament but it was unbelievable and mm -hmm. um so to do that kind of springboarded us 
um, to, to have a great team. Like I said, the next year we should have won, I think, the NCAA tournament. You know, Woody gets hurt. I get hurt. You I get hurt. Season. Woody comes back the last seven games, I think, of the Big Ten. Um, and we that was the better team than the 81 team uh, by, by far. Uh, you know, Isaiah being a freshman coming in the, with Woody being the, the player he was and all the other players that we had on the 81 team being a part of that team, that was the better team. But, you know, injuries took that away from us. But the, the NIT sprung board us into that. Real quick footnote on that title game of the NIT. Did you know that Purdue – you guys held Purdue scoreless the final eight minutes and 47 seconds of that game. They did you, not score. Where do you come up with these stats? I, I could be it. just making it up. I know. <laughs> and who's going to check you me? Think, you think I remember that? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty staggering. I mean, what a what a game. And like you said, it's, it springboarded you guys into this incredible era of Big Ten championships and ultimately national championships. But but you even think that tournament, that game, it sprung, it sprung Purdue, too, because they went to the yes. Final Four in 80. Right. And if you remember that, you know, we lose, they, they go to the Final Four in Indianapolis and lose, I think UCLA wins the NCAA tournament that year. Uh, and I don't I forget who they got beat by, but that was the last time I think they've been to, to the Final Four. Uh, it was 1980, but that was that they, they took that even though it was a loss in the finals, it, it sprung them forward too. And and to your point about how good the teams were in the NIT, Purdue was ranked 15th in the country when you it played them in the title game. I mean, 15th <laughs> in the country, and they're in the NIT. I mean, it's just yeah. you, it, it's hard for people to realize. But your point is, you had to win your conference. Yeah. Think about how many teams have won the NCAA tournament without winning their conference. No so, question. You, you know, it was just a different, a different scenario. It was harder. It was harder to win the national championship back then. You know, I'm yeah. biased, but it was harder. Um, you, you, the, the big 10, all the conference championship meant something, right? Yes. It meant something you had. I mean, we went in 81, we went into the big 10 conference seven and five. If people remember back, I mean, we, we had a struggle uh, in, in the preseason and, you know, we then go, you know, 23 and four or whatever uh, after that uh, and win the Big Ten and get, get into the tournament. And then we have to play, people don't remember, we have to play Maryland, the first round in Dayton, Ohio, who had Albert King, Buck Williams. And I'm thinking to myself, we got to play these guys in the first round <laughs> of the NCAA tournament? Right. It's a totally different thing. And it was like that every game. You didn't get a all right, one versus 16 where you're playing, you know, Monmouth State in, in, you know, in the first, first game of the NCAA. <laughs> right. Randy, I, I want to ask you real quick about the art of the steal. You, th let's say there's a young player coming up. And, and wants, wants to be really good at stealing the basketball. It's not something that gets talked about a lot, but it's huge. Turnovers are huge. Taking care of the ball is huge. What, what advice would you give to a young player on how to be a steal master? Well, you don't go for a steal uh, to get a layup, all right? And I think people uh, have a misconstrue, you know, steals and gambling. I never – went for a steal to gamble. I, I always got a steal because of anticipation. And so I had to play that way. Um, I wasn't super quick um, 
to play defense, I had to anticipate. I had to study, number one. I had to understand who I was playing against, what they liked and disliked. And then through the course of the game, you get the idea of what this guy's doing, what he's trying to do. And anticipation for me was what allowed me to come up with my hands on the ball a lot. And that's what I always try to teach young kids you know, a lot of times it's just a gamble. You know, I'm going to try to gamble here and get down at a reverse dunk and uh, the crowd's going to go crazy. But I never liked the gamble because then it took you out of the picture if you missed. Mm-hmm. I really, in, in my anticipation of a still, if I didn't get it, it didn't take me out of the play, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense to you. Does, sure. A gamble for a steal and I miss. Now it's four against five because I'm out of the play. And so um, that's why I always try to tell young players growing up and learning how to play defense. There's a difference between anticipating a steal and gambling for a steal. And a coach always wants the anticipated steal try rather than gamble because you're still involved in the defense if you don't get it. And then as a nice bonus, I mean, you're, you're more known for your reverse dunks than you are your steals. But that was just a product of your anticipation. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Um, Randy, I want to go back to uh, Purdue since it is Purdue week and we got a big game coming up Saturday and go back to your final year at Indiana because you basically split with Purdue home and away. You beat them in the NIT finals, which gave you the leg up. But then in your last year, you played Purdue on the road and you beat them for the first time in your career where you beat them and you go off for 23 points in that game. This is your final year. It really is your team this year. And and I, I do suggest people go back to listen to our first conversation with you because I do think one of the most amazing things about your career is how your role totally changed right. from being pass first point guard your freshman year to scorer by the end of your career and, and really that being on your shoulders. I think that's fascinating, but your final year you sweep Purdue and you beat them at Mackey. How good did it feel to win uh, at Mackey? I could have walked back to Bloomington. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's funny you bring that up, Eric, um, because going into that game, that was, you know, Coach didn't need to speak to the team before the game because this was myself, you know, Ted Kitchell. uh, This was our last Mackey trip. And we had that team ready. You know, we wanted to go out with a win in Mackey. Like we just talked about, you know, the rivalry and what it means. And, um, so leading up to that game, it was a situation that we weren't going to lose. Um, it was the last hurrah. And, um, you know, we were lucky enough to, to, to play well and come out of it. And it was, it was unbelievable because, you know, you know, that's the last time you're going to ever step foot, uh, on their floor. And I can, I can, like I say, all my Purdue, I, I can still say last time I, played on on that Mackie floor I won so <laughs> not a lot of Purdue players can say that coming into to assembly but um it was it, it's just one of those un, unreal uh situations it's, it's like 
you know, like you say, whenever we played Kentucky, if you beat Kentucky in, in Freedom Hall um, or, uh, uh, you know, you, wherever you played, you know, it, 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 it meant a lot because of the rivalry. Do you think with players coming in from, oh, let's say Florida, we got a couple great, great freshmen up from Florida. Do you think that they are fully aware at this point in their life of what this game means, or are they just going to have to play in it to really understand? That's a great question. I don't think they fully understand it because they didn't grow up in it um, until you play in that first one. And once you play in the first one, it doesn't matter if you're 0 and 15 and they're 15 and 0, it's a dip different atmosphere, total different atmosphere. And the first time you see it, you're like, whoa, this is different than playing Ohio State or this is different than playing Michigan. And I think you learn it early. And, you know, it's 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 uh, a teaching process now. You, you, you know, you, it's a great point because now recruiting's done, you know, all over the country where we, we get kids from from everywhere now where you know, back when I was there, I mean, we, you know, we tried to get every daggone Indiana player that was worth anything. Uh, and we did a pretty good job of that. But we didn't have to go outside of, you know, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio um, to get a, a, a player. And so um, it, it is different. It's one that coaches have to try to teach them uh, what what it's all about. But I don't think you really fully understand it till you step on Assembly Hall floor for the first time like like Jalen and Malik and Banks and uh they're gonna they're gonna see it on Saturday that it it's gonna be such a different atmosphere the town's gonna be different when they're walking around Friday night whatever Mm -hmm. they're doing the town's gonna be different Mm. one of um one of the things I think fans have been so heartened by with Woody being there these last you know year and a half now, uh, almost two years since he was hired in April, is that he's brought back so many of the former players. Um, you know, Ward and I have been back, and we've seen Scott sitting up, you know, at Cook Hall looking at practice. Yeah. Um, he's brought back Landon's been there. He's brought back Ray. Obviously, you are part of it. Um, Isaiah's been back. Uh, how much does that mean, do you think, to the to these 17, 18, 19-year-old kids? Does that seep in almost through osmosis, like seeing these legends just be around the program? I know when you were there, Coach Knight always had his former players back. W- what does that mean, and how important is that? I think it's truly important. And that I think that's the thing we missed for 20-plus years. Yeah. Um, that's the, the, the one thing that I still have a hard time accepting, um, that it took this long to get one of our own back there. Um, and, and all the blue blood, great uh, universities, you know, they do that. You know, North Carolina does it. Duke does it. You know, it's it's a it, people just don't understand the difference of what family means. And now, as you brought up, these kids are coming from all over and they can feel part of a family when they see the family in person. And um, it it is such a big part of it and not a knock against any of the other coaches that were here 
Um, no, after, leave that to us, Randy. That's I will. What we do. But, well, <laughs> it, it, it is hard for them to understand that. And I think they have a uh, wall built up that they feel like they're being judged differently because they aren't one of the family. And they put a wall up and it builds a wall. And then it's not the environment where, come on, guys, get here. I want you guys here behind me. I want you sitting behind the, you know, though it, that just didn't happen. And I, you know, uh, don't get me started, but, um, <laughs> but, but Randy, can that I was ask one of the things that's, that was just one of the things that I tried to tell, you know, administration, you know, that's what we're missing. We need that. And it didn't have to be me. It didn't have to be Woody. It didn't have to be, you know, we, we just needed to get that back. That's a special part. And we had so many people that could have been a part of that as soon as coach left. And it was a situation that they decided to go a different way. They didn't want to have anybody that had any association with night in the history of, of, of yeah. Indiana. Well, it was not 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 talking out of school here, but I, I remember you and I ran into each other at Nick's after you know you were instrumental in where, bringing where at Nick's. <laughs> oh, I don't, have I been there? Yeah, I think so. Once <laughs> okay. or twice. Um, uh, after Coach Knight returned, and we had a little conversation. And of course, you were instrumental in making that happen. And you said to me, "We're going to get this back. We're we're going we're going to get this back." I mean, you were you were working on it. You know, we got to get this thing back. And and that leads me to to maybe. Uh, Ward might have one more final question and then we'll let you go. Yeah. Um, it felt like coming into this year, we were close to getting it, whatever that it is back yeah. because expectations were sky high, which I think is good at Indiana. Yeah. Like when you played there every year, we expected big 10 championship and deep run in the tournament, right? Yeah. That's what it means to play at Indiana. I still hold those expectations for this, for this team. Yeah. Do you think those expectations were fair coming into this season? And should we still hold as fans those expectations? Absolutely. 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 They they were not unwarranted at the start of the year. You think back, we were an older team. We had a lot of experienced players coming back. And you can, we again, you know, people are going to say, yeah, but we got, we lost X, who's a big part. We lost, that's an excuse. And so we still should have expectations that we can play for a national championship. All right. I really believe that. Um, and our players have got to believe that and expectations. I, it, it makes, it, it makes you grow up fast. So these young kids that we have, and I love all four of our freshmen that we have this year and our Two years coming up, the people we got coming in here, um, you know, Woody is building back where every year it should we should be expected to contend. And so these young kids get this early expectation like they have this year. It that makes you grow up fast. Even if you come up short, you got to understand, oh, you know, we, we should have been better than that rather than. Uh, Indiana should be 12th or 13th in the Big Ten this year. You're not really playing for anything. You're not developing the way that you shoot. When you have expectations, you got to grow up, mm -hmm. right? Or you're not going to meet those 
expectations. And you're not always going to meet them, all right? right? But how far do you get? And so when they become sophomores next year and we lose some experienced players that we're going to lose and we got new younger players that are going to be very good coming in, now you've developed a baseline of expectations that they believe we should have every year. And so absolutely, and our fans should feel that way too. Great answer, great insight. Uh, to fulfill those expectations, obviously it starts with a beatdown of the Boilermakers on Saturday, but what's one or two key things you think these guys need to figure out between now and the end of the season to, to get themselves um, ready for a Big Ten tournament run and then an NCAA tournament run and fulfill those expectations? Well, number one, win at home. All right, we've got to win at home. If we win our remaining home Big Ten games, we're going to be in pretty good shape. Number two, we've got our defensive intensity back to the level that it was. When we were losing, we were giving up 80, 85 points a game, which was uncharacteristic and, and out of what this team needs to be to, to make a run. And so we've gotten that back. We can't lose that. Okay. Now we've got to get more consistently offensively. All right, we've got to be able to be – we don't have to be the highest scoring team uh, in the Big Ten. But if you're, if you're one of the better defensive teams in the Big Ten and you're middle of the pack offensively, you're going to win the majority of your games. And so I feel like we've got to stay where we are from a defensive uh, presence, the remaining Big Ten and into the in Big Ten tournament. And we've got to get consistently offensively. Last night was a, a bad – offensive game for us and that um we didn't lose that game because we were poor defensively other than our fouling um but it was it was our our consistency from an offensive end and and you're going to have ups and downs i mean Jalen against ohio state was lights out mm -hmm. uh and those lights were knocked out uh you know <laughs> last night so you can't have that discrepancy of going you know 12 for 14 to one to 14. If, if, if that makes any sense to you, we, you know, there's, there's gotta be a consistency, not only for Jalen, I mean, for our whole thing and our, our perimeters have got to play good. I mean, that's going to be the key for us when our perimeter players have got to be, uh, you know, they're not going to score us 20 a game, you know, but we got to have the presence of knocking down, you know, threes when, when trace is, is, is doubled. We got to get out in transition and open floor more to get a Miller cop and open three. Yes. Right. Um, we got to do that more consistently. If we can do that and play the defense that we're playing now, we're going to be okay. Well, Randy, Love talking to you. You you loom large in IU fandom. Uh, and, and I will tell you, look, we've talked to so many of your former teammates and a lot of players that came before you and after you, and especially for the ones that came after, it is amazing how many of them say that you were their favorite player. You know, I mean, whether it was Michael Lewis or Brian Evans, I mean, there's just so many that talk about modeling their game after you and really idolizing what you did. And the way you represented Indiana as a player, as a winner and then throughout your basketball career and being at this stage of your life and coming back and giving back to Indiana the way you are, it is what it's about. It is what makes Indiana should make Indiana special. And like you said, it was gone for too long and I'm just pleased as hell that it's back and you are part of it. It makes me feel better about the whole thing. So you are a legend and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to two idiots thanks, like us. Thanks. 
Guys, thanks for having me. And again, like I said, I mean, it's it's all Woody. Woody's doing what needs to be done that needed to be done years ago, and he's building that foundation back. It, it, it's not going to come overnight, but he's got it headed in the great direction. And I'm so happy for him, for all Indiana fans. I mean, you you two knuckleheads are as big as fans as as anybody, and and we're all excited about that. And um, kudos to Woody and, and, and Scott and the decision makers that, that made this all happen. Well, hey, well, have a great time in Bloomington. We wish we were there with you, uh, but we will be screaming our heads off from several thousand miles away. All right, guys, let's let's uh, let's hope for a couple wins here at home. That was a guest. That was a guest. I mean. I love his direct answers, right? There was not, there was no beating around the bush. It was very direct. It felt very real and grounded information about the current team. Yes. Uh, also getting a sense of what his role is. And, and you get the sense, like he does not, he does not tell Woody what he wants to hear. I love you know? that. I think that's that's exactly what you want to hear, that you have somebody who strikes this balance between more of a 30,000 foot view. He's he's sitting at home far away watching what the rest of us are watching, except he can see it a lot more clearly uh, than most of us. Right. And that, that his thoughts and his words are going directly into Woody's ear, pleasant or unpleasant. It does, it just makes you feel like, okay, this is good. Because I think especially people who are there all the time and he was alluding to it. You can't really see the forest for the trees, but also a lot of these guys where it's like, Woody's the boss and I don't want to upset him because I'd like to have a job next year. That's a very real thing for, for some people on the staff. Whereas especially Randy's young like, guys, yeah, especially young guys. And Randy's playing with house money. So right. he's just going to sit back there and tell his buddy exactly what he sees. And I, I, I it does make me feel even better about the direction of the program, knowing it isn't just um, less experienced yes men who, and and I'm not saying anybody on the staff is doing that. Certainly not intentionally. No, but clearly, I think you're. I mean, Kenya, uh, Kenya's the elder statesman on that staff. But yeah, but it, clearly, it's like it, Ya it, and Walsh can't be as honest to Woody as as Whitman can. Well, and even if they are. Woody's like, I, you know, I was in the NBA before you were born. Like, what right. are we talking about here? Not to say he doesn't hear what they're saying, too. But with Randy, it's just clearly going to carry as much weight as anybody in the world to Coach Woodson. I, I couldn't agree more. I will tell you the one thing he said about the team that that I loved that, that frustrates me when I watch it. We've talked about this, that we just don't dictate tempo offensively. Mm -hmm. We kind of fall into whatever the other team is playing. So Minnesota, slow it down. All right, we'll play a slow it down game. Last night, that press that Maryland was running, which didn't cause any turnovers, but we just accepted, let's throw the ball back and forth. Yep. And then we don't even start our offense till 19, 18 seconds left on the, on the shot clock where you don't have time to like reverse the ball and all that. But Randy's saying we have got to get out and transition more and more yeah. consistently. And we were doing that when in our winning streak. Trace was getting the ball and sprinting up the court. I mean, Trace had 20-something rebounds last night. He had plenty of opportunity to run the ball up the court. We just didn't do it as much. And to me, when you don't run a you know well-oiled motion offense in the half court, 
well, where are you going to get easy shots from? It's in transition. Like yeah. we've got athletes, we've got guys who can run. We've got the most athletic big man in the country. We've got one of the best point guards in, in Jalen hood, Shafino. You've got guys like Tamar that can run when you put Malik in, he's got a good motor. Like we have guys that can do that and we don't do it consistently enough. So I was happy to hear Randy say that because you know, he's saying it to Woody too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I love him talking about Purdue and what it means, what that game means, how much it still means to him that he won his last game you at Mackey. You can see it like in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. It's a visceral thing. And growing up in the night Katie era, you know, it was just so palpable. You know, I remember and I was in Billy Marburger's living room and he was a Purdue fan and it was like a nip and tuck game. And just like, I wanted to punch Billy in the face. It was like, you know, like it was civil war when that game is going on. And I I am so glad, as they say, the the old heads are there to make sure that that the youngsters realize like this is different. This is this defines seasons and careers, and you will take this with you to your grave, win or lose. So you better win. Right. Um, and then the other thing that stands out to me is Randy totally embracing the high bar of expectations that should be a given at Indiana University. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, because we do have, you know, a lot of people out there just being like, oh, well, you know, just, and then here come the excuses as to why even, I mean, he said 12th or 13th in the Big Ten, but, you know, what are you getting the ship turned around? The expectation should always to be there for a Big Ten title. And then maybe if there's an injury or two, you understand why we came in fourth. You know, but 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 even but, that, like just next man up, like Randy's like it's an excuse. I mean, you're right, practically. Yeah, I mean, but, like you're you're not gonna win it every year, but I think no, of course this, this idea of the expect- I do think Ward, we the- should be disappointed in not being there. You know what I mean? Like yes, it should like, be a disappointment when we, we don't make a good run. Yeah, no, disappointed when we don't win the the Big Ten title because yes. that's how it was with Coach Knight, and and this idea that expectations can help create this reality because if those aren't in the air around Bloomington, if those aren't inside the program, what are you working towards? What if you're like, hey man, let's make the tournament, and that's what your expectations are? Well, then it's probably going to be the same thing as if it's a Big Ten title. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. So set that bar as high as humanly possible because, damn it, we're Indiana Hoosiers. That's exactly right. I mean, you heard Randy Whitman say the expectations for this team at the beginning of the year were warranted. They should have been warranted, and they are still warranted. This team, playing the way that it can, should contend for a national championship. That's what he said, and he's in it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I I hope that the fans who like equivocate and try to like spin excuses to make it palatable to lose when we shouldn't realize that that can't be what we are, because if that's what we are, then we are just Minnesota basketball. We are just another team. And that's never what Indiana University should be. It's not why you and I fell in love with it. It's not why you and I continue to love it. It's not why it is one of the blue bloods as far as support and the people that live and die by it. It's because it stands for excellence. 
That's yeah. what it stands for. It doesn't stand for competing and trying as hard as you can. It doesn't. It yep. stands for excellence. Well, and we as fans have to hold everybody accountable to that. And you even look at that Maryland game, and there is a team that beat us in our last title game. They have a nice history themselves. Did you see how many empty seats there were? Yeah, pathetic. It's pathetic. And and then when you see how many people like us showed up in Vegas for, for a game in December, it's just like this is such a special program, and now you have people in charge who – completely and fully realize that and and are now the ones who need to get it back on the court to that level of success not compet competitiveness but success so yeah it's a it's a team effort here all of Hoosier Nation needs to to do their part and look I have no doubt we as the fans are going to show up and do our part on Saturday because that now I mean, now you, you're going to be in the woods somewhere like a, like a, on a retreat. Yeah. But you, my friend, your energy, your love, your passion, wherever you are on that family retreat trying to get a signal with your phone to watch the game, that that's part of the mojo that's going to get us back on top. Let's hope. Follow us on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics. For the hysterics, no E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why? why? By the way, I have an idea. Okay. Going forward, yep. we should have our guest say, but the sometimes why. Ooh, and then uh, just lay that in there? And let it, let edit that in. Okay, yeah, great. You know? I mean, we sure. don't have a catchphrase, but if we did, that's it. So I feel like our guest should say it each time. We didn't ask Randy. Truthfully, because I'm scared to. But, <laughs> uh, but the next one, we will. All you right, know, we will see you all. Next oh, I was week. just gonna say okay. he's he's less he's less intimidating over Zoom. Like, totally. You know, and with Nick's, a hat on too. Yeah, and, and Nick's when he's towering over you and squeezing your shoulders with his giant strengthy hands. It's like, what well, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. Quite disarming yeah. over Zoom, honestly. Totally. I didn't realize in person, I didn't realize Randy Whitman was seven foot four. <laughs> but that's what it appears to be. All right. Uh we'll see y'all next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.